Dear Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to come into understanding what you have written for us, the truth that you left behind to allow us to navigate life according to your will, allow us to be fortified according to your truth. We know that there's a lot that's happening in the world today that has a wrong reflection of who you are. And we're grateful that through your word, we can see exactly who you are and how we ought to walk and carry ourselves in order to carry out the mandates that you've given us. We know that the enemy is very busy in this season. He's working triple time, quadruple time to deceive many people who say they believe and to keep many people blind who refuse to love the truth and be saved. We pray that as we get into this word tonight that it will uh, fortify us It will strengthen us and enlighten us and encourage us to continue in the will that you have for us. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to get into our uh, next series talking about a very, very important topic for the believers, uh, those who want to spend eternity with God. And we're going to continue our series on what does heaven look like? Uh, Knowing the word of God is the most important thing for a believer. We can pray. We can speak things into existence. We can uh, work to try to cast out demons. We can declare. We can uh, we can even prophesy. But knowing his word is the most important thing that we have to have as a believer. And the reason why. Is because Satan is a master manipulator. He is very, very, very cunning and extremely successful at his deceitful works. Extremely uh, successful. There is so many people today who say they believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm talking multitudes who have entered into church institutions that have been baptized, that is... uh, been part of ministry groups, have evangelized, witnessed, and all the above, yet are deceived. And the reason is, the main reason this is this is true is because they do not study the Word of God for themselves. Very, very sad to see it, but it is the truth. Many have been led astray. We have to I always stress this very, very critical point here is that we have to study God's word. It's not enough to go to church and hear what the pastor has to say. We have to take what he says, align it with the word of God to ensure that we are not being led astray. You got to look at how Jesus led or how Satan led uh, Eve to disobey God and eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. He spoke to her in a twisted form of God's word. He had a tweak to it and got her to look at the fruit to where it was compelling to her flesh. Something that she saw that can gratify her. And that little disobedience caused the fall of humanity. And 
sin all throughout the earth. We have to know that what Satan does is that he come at us with the most sweetest or glaring or gl or glittering half truth about God's word. And he usually comes at us at a place where we are in our darkest moments where we're going through a very tremendous situation because he knows that if he can grab us at this place, he will pull us in and we will be walking according to his will and not God's. When you look at Christ, when he was in the uh, wilderness and he fasted for 40 days, when he came out, it was never about turning the stone into bread. It was never about that. It was about offering Jesus something that he needed at a tough place in his life so that he would bow down to Satan. Had he yielded to that one little twist, just a, just a one stone, turn it into bread. Had he yielded to Satan, twisted version of God's word, he would have carried out the other two requests Satan had. It's important that we know the word of God. I was on Facebook here just not too long ago, and I saw this post about this bishop out in Texas where uh, apparently he has, uh, he's, he's seen God and Jesus face to face, and he's been to heaven. Now, I've heard this several times before. I've heard that these people who've been to heaven, they've had a conversation with God and Jesus. Looked him right in the face, saw him. But it sounds so compelling, especially when they continue on with whatever their sermon is, whatever their preaching is, because they're pulling scriptures, they're, they're talking almost as if it lines with the word of God. And these are catchphrases or, or titles or experiences that draws us in. But if we don't know the word of God, we'll be following behind these people. In John 1, 18, Jesus Christ said, no one has seen God at any time, only the begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. There's nobody that has seen God. Now, this pastor probably seen God, but it's not the God of the Bible. I would make Jesus Christ a liar. And even in John three thirteen, he said, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. But yet this guy now has apparently have some deep revelation about him being in the face of God and hearing specifically from Jesus Christ. We have to know our word. We have to know the Bible. It is the sword of the spirit. This is how we fight against evil spirits. We fight against words that are not in line with God's word that cause us to become defeated. And we find ourselves walking outside of the will of God. Just like that awesome, very prominent sinner's prayer. Unbiblical, not backed whatsoever in the ministry of Christ, his disciples, nor the Apostle Paul. And because of this and the, and the fact that many failed to study for themselves, they believe because they declared the name of Jesus that they're going to heaven. No obligation to serve him, no obligation to turn from their sins because, you know, God gives us grace and that grace allows us to do what we want. 
we fall down. God knows my heart. All men fall short of the glory of God. Scriptures that are taken to justify not turning from, which is repentance, the things that God says will not be in heaven. There's no place for them in heaven. Repentance is a requirement. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It is a requirement if you want to see God. If you want him to be happy with you when he returns. Because you are in Christ. And to be in Christ is to turn from this world. It's to turn from the things of this world. To turn our heart away from this life, this wickedness into God. And knowing the word of God is what fortifies us and allows us to actually stand on the truth about salvation, which is ultimately the faith. This is why Jude said in first in Jude one, chapter three, he said he was diligent. He really wanted to write the believers about our common salvation, what everybody says and talks about. What everybody has declared, he want to write about it. He said, but he found it necessary to write us, exhorting us to contend, to fight earnestly, to fight aggressively, diligently for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith, he said, in this season, in the time of church being persecuted, the time of deception, the time of many false prophets, he said the most important thing is not to talk about salvation, but to talk about contending for standing on the faith, which is the truth of Christ's ministry and what he came to do and what we are to do who say we believe. In verse four, he says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. You know, that's a very powerful statement right there. Crept in unnoticed. How does anyone sneak into any place unnoticed? Well, it only happens when we are focused on something other than what we ought to be focused on, when we are distracted. And there's so much distraction today. And I don't just mean the outside distraction of Netflix and you know, trying to build a career or whatever it may be that we might find ourselves tied to. I'm speaking specifically about the word of God. There are distractions in his word of God and the word of God that is being put forth by many who say they are speaking on his behalf. And those distractions are the false truths in God's word, the requirement for tithing. The, you know, I, I, I wrote an article not too long ago about the word used all throughout church institutions, especially here in America, the revival. There is not a single scripture or any teaching of Christ or anything in the New Testament, the New Covenant that suggests or mandates that we as believers are to go out and revive any land or any people. We are supposed to preach the gospel. We are supposed to sow seeds. That's our objective. Everything we see, the great falling away, those that are being led away by deceptive spirits, false 
prophets, false teachers on the rise. You were all told to happen. It has to happen. This is why when Christ speaks often in his ministries, he said that certain things happen while he was walking the earth so that the prophecies that were given before he ascended, before he uh, came from heaven would be fulfilled. They had to occur or else that would have made God a liar. And what we see today has to take place or else it would make Christ a liar. And neither cannot lie, neither Neither is able to change. So the word of God is being fulfilled as we speak. End time prophecy. But if we don't know the unadulterated word of God, we will find ourselves going places and doing things that do not align with his word. And that is something we don't want to have to answer for. When all this comes to an end. And tonight we're going to get into a parable that aligns exactly with what I've been talking about tonight. And it's the parable of the sower. And we're going to look at not just the mysteries that Christ spoke of, but he breaks down this parable and we're going to get into how he broke it down and who it applies to. Who Christ says these seeds apply to that were sown. And we're going to start in Matthew 13, verse 1. It says that on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat in the sea and a great multitude gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. He spoke many things to his in parables, saying, behold, a sore went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell on the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Verse five, some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell on the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, before we continue on, I want to tell you that this same statement, he who has an ear, let him hear, is in Revelations. There's a few times in Revelations that the angel who is providing the prophecy to John from Christ says this. And when you hear this in the Bible, this means you need to open up your ears and pay close attention. Christ is making a very, very valid point known that we have to understand and apply. He doesn't want just to hear it because it may you know, sound good. He wants us to apply this teaching, this parable. In verse 10, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And 
In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing, they will hear and shall not understand. Seeing, they will see and not perceive. For their hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Again, this is what I had mentioned just a moment ago where Christ explains that this event had to take place where he spoke to them in parables. Those who uh, particularly had hardened hearts, had dull hearts, and uh, they have closed their eyes. They closed their ears to God's truth. He said this had to take place so that Isaiah prophecy, who God called and gave the prophecy to, would be fulfilled. Had, it, had Christ walked this earth and this prophecy didn't fulfill, somebody would have went back into the Old Testament, looked for a prophecy from Isaiah and would have said, you know what? Jesus, God was a liar. It didn't happen. So he made sure that this occurred. And you got to look at this, this whole setting here. It's amazing when you look at this setting. Jesus said there was so much there were so many people around him that he had to get in a boat while everybody else stayed on the shore. And he taught them. It was that many people. And it was if you look at it, it really reflects today's mass church service. You got the pastor on the pulpit or up on the stage and you have many in the crowd, two, three layer auditoriums in some places. And he's teaching them in parables. And the reason he teaches them in parables is because what he is saying that these people have dull hearts, they're hard of hearing, and they've closed their eyes. Saying if they can't receive the truth, even if they, you know, wanted to in a sense, because their hearts are not for God. Their ears cannot hear what he's saying because they're they have they're listening to something else and their eyes are shut to the things of God. So he doesn't even speak to them plainly. He gives them parables. So I can imagine being out there in the crowd in the peanut gallery and hear Jesus talk and you're like, well what does that mean? And what does this mean? But he says in verse 16, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what they, what you see and do not see it. And hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He said there were prophets and, and, and righteous men. There were, you know, those with the seminary education. Those that have the theology schools, the very educated and righteous. So they, you know, they walked nicely. He said, but not even these people of their time was able to see and hear these mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He picked a certain group of people to understand this. And who are these people? The Bible says that there are disciples. And who are disciples? They are those who follow Jesus Christ. This is why I always say there's a clear distinction between a disciple and a Christian. 
Christ identified those who follow him as disciples. The world, King Agrippa, and those who didn't understand, the people who were not of the faith called the disciples Christians. They didn't wear the title as if it came from Christ. It was a derogatory term. And today, the enemy wants to try to say, well, a Christian is a disciple and the disciple is a Christian. Well, where does Christ say that? And he is such a conniver that it almost makes sense. But it goes back to knowing the word of God, knowing the truth. Because if you don't have the truth, as Christ said, then you cannot be free. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Free not just from being in the bondage of sin. Uh, free from also being free from the lies of the enemy. But above all things, free from going to hell. Because there is no comeback from that. We can overcome a lie. We can break free of chains. But being told away from me, I never knew you. We can't break free from that. So having that truth is essential. And in verse 18, Jesus Christ begins to explain what this parable means regarding the sword. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sword. He's telling him, listen up, hear it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatch away what was sown in his heart. So that he who received the seed was by the wayside. This is he who received who was by the wayside. He said he sold it by the wayside and uh, they didn't understand what he said and what was planted in their hearts. Here comes the wicked one and snatches it away. Right. You don't understand it before we even continue. This is the point that I made a while ago. Um on one of these uh, discussions was why it's so important that you have to be born again, receive the Holy Spirit. You have to, because you look at the ministry of Christ and the disciples who walk with him, they hardly understood anything he said. There was even a time where Christ was telling Peter, said, listen, I'm going to the cross. And I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised back up in three days. And Peter says he's, he pulled him to the side and said, far be it from you. He said, this is not going to happen to you. And immediately Jesus Christ said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you are mindful of the things of man and not of God. He couldn't grasp the fact that there was a prophecy spoken of about Christ coming a savior and all these things that would happen he couldn't even get it and because he couldn't get it he acted on what he understood to be true which ultimately came from a fleshly thought process which is what we see as a, again much today and because this particular uh a seed that was sown and the hearts of people who didn't understand it, uh, they 
They lost what they had. They lost the little bit of truth that they had. But when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, that is when they not only understood the word of God, they recorded the walk that they had with Christ. They also went to their very last breath standing on that word. Important. And we're going to go to verse 20. And he's talking about here, he said, uh, but he who received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately, excuse me, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in him. But endures for a little while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately stumbles. All short. The Bible says that it's so interesting when you look at it, it says that he heard it, received it, got excited about it. Uh, and, and you know, you, you, I'm sure we've all seen this. If we've been to any church institution, someone comes into the ministry, maybe this has been us. And we're all excited about God's work. We got saved. We're finally in the family now. We, we've been baptized. We confess Jesus Christ, but we have no root. And we're journeying through. We're doing his will. And instead of getting that root built up in us, we refuse to do that. And we only endure for a little bit. And sure enough, someone comes along and we have to deal with tribulation, persecution, whether someone attacks us and says, you know, hey, you know what? I thought you were a Christian. No, you're not really saved. Or maybe we go through some type of health problem or financial struggle. And instead of having that root that explains how we handle financial issues or health crises, uh, we don't have that. And then we stumble. We're not walking the will that God has for us no more because we have no root. And in verse 22 says, Now he who received the seed among those thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the seedfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of preachers like that. There's a lot who at one point receive the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches want to get rich. They want to fly to wherever and speak to whoever and do whatever the case may be. And you see these, these, it used to be a few hundred dollars. Now you're in the thousands and now you're over the millions. And then you stop becoming fruitful. You stop producing the true fruit that reflects the spirit of God, not the mass crowd of people who come to your church service, but the truth of God's word. That's the fruit that Christ is talking about. That's what he's looking for. And are we walking out those uh, or fruits that he explains to us, that love, the joy, the peace, when we're going through these different uh Things that are counter to love and joy. Are we still producing those fruits? A lot of us fall away because of the cares of the world. We see that today. It's, it's, it's as clear as the sun is shining. COVID-19 happened. Church is closed. Cares of the world. 
right? We we masked up, stayed in the house, and, and got vaccines. But when it comes to the word that was sold, that was sown into us, uh, it 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 got choked up. In verse twenty three, he said, "But he who receive seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it." who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Good ground. Good ground is somebody who hears it, understands it. And not just hear and understand, the Bible says they went and did something with what they understood. It said they bear fruit and produce. They went out and made decisions about the word of God. It's not enough to just, uh, you know, as I said again, sit in church and hear the word. And even if you're in church and you understand the word of God, the third step required is to go do. You know, I've been to several church ministries before. I've been part of these church institutions. And every one of them I've been in They've had what's called a, a discipleship ministry, which is usually right next door or right down the hall from the evangelists or the choir group or the usher board. But when you look at Christ's requirement for us uh, who, who say we believe, discipleship isn't a ministry. It's not a department of a church institution. It is a mandate from Christ. And this is why we have many who come into the faith and they hear it and they even understand it. But they typically fall into a category of uh, where Christ said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the will of my father to call Jesus Lord, you got to first hear about him. And then when you hear, you have to understand that he is Lord. But according to him, you can hear, you can even understand. But if you don't produce, meaning you don't do, then you will not get into heaven. And that's why he gives this example. He said, the kingdom of heaven shall be like. And he explains the sower. And in the end, it was the one who understood, who heard, understood, and obeyed that produced the fruit, who got more fruit, but ultimately was welcomed into heaven. Knowing the word of God is absolutely essential. And when we understand what we hear, what we read, we have to be obedient. Many don't believe that today, and it's very sad. It is a prophecy that has been fulfilled. As Paul said, the Spirit spoke expressly that in these times they will depart the faith, giving heed to seducing doctrines. Seducing doctrines. I, I want you guys to understand something. The Bible is not a seducing doctrine. Paul said that we were all at one point, children of wrath, meaning we cared nothing about God's word. 
The Bible even says that we don't even know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groans that cannot be understood. So truthfully, if it's not for the Holy Ghost coming into our life, being inside of us, we don't want to do God's word. It doesn't seduce us to say, I just got to get up and do his word. Oh, I love this so much. We are not that kind of person without the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no man seeks God. It is with the Holy Spirit that we even have a desire to do anything in his word. There's there's I, I know we sometimes get excited and we're like, oh, I got to. But the truth is. Inside of us, this word doesn't appeal to us. If we're honest, we're probably thinking, you know what, I want to catch up with my uh, series on Netflix. Or I want to go have a drink or a smoke or hang out with this person or have this kind of uh, relationship that is contrary to God's word. But he's saying that seducing doctrines is what drew people away from the faith. And those doctrines are those which appeal to the flesh. They appeal to us, our desire to walk outside of God's will, which we naturally do because that is our makeup. And knowing this truth helps us sit wherever we sit and wherever we listen to and see things, we'll say, you know, there's something not right about what that person just said or did. Now, let me go to the word of God and validate, test, confirm, vet what I just heard or saw. But when we don't know this about seducing doctrines, first of all, the uh, the sower, the parable of the sower really wasn't, doesn't really, you know, strike a nerve, doesn't really make us want to even care to read it. And, and, and secondly, when we are not aware of this, we are, we are just drawn into lies. And we're not standing on the will and the way in the word of God. So again, I want to encourage everyone to really get into the word. Test every single thing you hear. Even from me. There is no such thing as a perfect preacher. I don't care how fired up their word is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The worst thing we can do is take man's word for it and not God's word for it. The absolute worst thing we could do. Because there are ministers of Satan that are in the world right now leading massive crowds all over the place. And I mean leading massive crowds. I, I, I can't explain express that enough. These big church institutions that you're looking at, please do not be deceived. Let's get the word of God. I've, I've done several articles and posts about it. I've talked about it. T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, every last woman preacher out there who say they believe in God, but they don't have to apply the teachings that Paul outlined about the hierarchy that is established in the house of God. We can't do what we want to do. If we think we can do what we want to do 
and we say, well, you know what? God gives us grace. I had someone tell me the other day that women and men are on the same level because what she heard was something of the Old Testament. She heard something uh, uh, that I was old, that was under the old covenant. But because this individual failed to read the word of God for herself, she clearly missed that this establishment of the headship in the body of Christ was made known not just in Genesis and throughout the Old Testament, but reconfirmed and put forth through the Apostle Paul who established the order and operation of the church. I didn't create this. I didn't establish this, but I am called and we who are disciples are called to speak the unadulterated, infallible word of God as it is written. And the truth is, if we don't obey his word, we will not go to heaven. There is no exceptions to that. There's, this, there's a lot of misunderstandings about because I said Jesus Christ. That I'm now locked in to eternity. If that was the case, and all Christ needed to do is come, die, and go back to heaven. What was the point of a three-year ministry? What was the point of calling disciples? Why did he have to call Paul? Why, after he went back to heaven, did he send his angel to give John a revelation? And in the revelation of Christ, he outlines seven churches, the seven churches of Asia that have distinctive walks between each one of those who are of the faith. And those seven walks are a complete walk of all who say they believe. And every last one of them, Christ said that you have to do something if you want to see me for eternity. Not one of those seven did he say, you're locked in. Even the persecuted church, he told them to continue to endure. The faithful church that he talked about, they still had to check to, to make decisions that reflected what they believe. We have to get out of this notion brought straight from the mouth of Satan that because we've said the sinner's prayer, we believe in Jesus Christ that we will be in eternity with him, then that will make Christ a liar and a fanatic. He himself said, those who endure to the end shall be saved. Not those who showed up on Sunday, went to the altar and said they believe in him. Those who do the will of my father. America is one of the most twisted versions of, of what's called Christianity. There is mass revivals going on everywhere we speak because in the hearts of many people, they really want to see America restored. And the Bible says, Christ said that if you have the love of the world, if you have love for this world, he said, then the love of the father is not in you. Well, you ain't doing God's will if his love's not in your heart. And if you ain't doing his will, you're not going to heaven. Destruction is coming. It's prophesied. Everything we see is happening. It's evident. It's living proof. The Bible says in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. They will be boastful, proud, haughty. 
And we see that. That's why you have some disobedient child going to a school and shoot up a bunch of elementary students. In times, there is no pray for America that America turns around. Find it in the Bible. That's the, that's the way we have to all operate. Find it in the word of God. If it's not there, then it's not upheld in scripture. And therefore, it will not be in heaven. We are to look for a new home. That is what Christ told us. Our eyes shouldn't be on this earth. This is why so many people are getting snatched up. The cares of this world. Satan is driving them into hiding places, following the, the enemy, because we keep looking for the earth to turn around. They scare people with things like Ukraine or and Russia, a potential potential uh, nuclear strike. But how does the Bible say the earth is going to be destroyed? But when we don't know the word or we read it, but don't truly believe it, or the theatrics of Satan looks greater than what we read in the word of God, then there we go. Snatched up, cares of the world, walking outside of the will of God, not doing what he's commanded us to do. So again, I'm, I, I strongly encourage us to get in the word of God, apply the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in what you hear. I see it so much throughout social media. One of the most wicked things on this planet. People post whatever they feel about God's word. And there's all kind of amen, 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 amen. And they're declaring things in their life that was never meant for them to have from God. And then they wonder why they are depressed, angry, frustrated, sick. Mentally decline in all areas of their life. Can't get out of the bed. Can't function. Can't treat their kids right. Can't go to their jobs. Got to take medication. Strung out on therapy sessions. But where in the word does that apply to a believer? The Bible says he who, are, who is in Christ is a new creature. The old things are past. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And that mind Christ had, he didn't speak on what he wanted to say. He didn't speak on how he felt when he came to teach. He said, I tell you what the father has made known to me. I don't tell you what I want to tell you. Because of that, he was able to walk out God's will for his life and complete his purpose on this earth. We all have a purpose. And we shouldn't be so focused on the end time. Paul, Jesus Christ said, when you see this stuff happening, look up for your redemption is nigh. He didn't say get depressed. He didn't say walk. Uh, uh, timid and scared. He didn't say stock up your refrigerator and everything with, with extra food and, and make sure you got shotguns and, and, and ammo and all this, you know, doomsday prep thing that people are doing. He told us to go and do. Go and be. The salt and the light. And he said that when you Go make disciples, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. He said, I will be with you even to the end of age. Many are missing that, that comfort, that peace, that assurance that Christ gives us because we're not doing what he had commanded us to do. I don't doomsday prep. I got a, a, a house full of children and a wife. We're not out here seeing how we're going to stock up. For what's coming. He sent the disciples out with no sandals, no bags, nothing. 
And they said, did, did you ever not have anything? And they said, absolutely not. Every need they had was met. That's why I tell people, there is no better place to be than in the will of God. You got to go back and look at the testimonies of those who walk by faith. After all the railroading Joseph went through, he came to a place when everybody else was suffering in a famine. He had more than he needed. So much so that he had enough to give to the very people who was hating on him, who sold him into slavery. Only God can do that. Not your education, not your connections, not government assistance. Only God can do that. And it only happens to those who hears, understands, and does his word. So let's be obedient in this season. Let's be obedient. Too many people coming to me talking about how they fired up about the word of God. And as soon as God gives me something to give them, they take off running. But I'm going to share what the Holy Spirit compels me to share as it aligns with the word of God. Because the last thing I want to see a brother or a sister in Christ doing, walking in defeat. We have no reason to do that. He left us his spirit and his word to build us in a way that we can go to our final breath, however that may be, with the joy of Jesus Christ. So let's walk out that will in this season. Let's be the light and the salt. Let's walk with courage, with fire. I mean, heck, we're going to die anyway, whether it be at the hands of the wicked or, or just old age or whatever. We're going to die anyway. Might as well get an eternal reward for it. That's the way I look at it. Why live in hell and die and go to hell? I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. And if that means uh, I'm not going to have a bunch of friends I thought accompany me on my way, it, it is God's will and not mine's. That's all I want to do. So let's stay in his truth. Let's study his word. Let's vet his word. And please don't believe the lie that because you went to the altar with tears in your eyes and said, Jesus Christ, that that's your ticket into heaven. That would make everything Christ did after, uh, in his ministry uh, worthless and, and void. Dearly Father, we thank you for this time to come together to get into your truths. We thank you for your parable that you provided was to us, explaining what the sword is and who are those who you consider to be well done, obedient servants. Not just hearers, but understanding and doing your word. I pray that all those who hear this truth will walk in this truth and they will not fall under the deception that all they have to do is declare your name, Jesus, and be saved. But rather, obedience, walking in your way, doing what you call, having a heart for you and not a heart for this world. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.